The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready to stop wasting time and make a shift towards enhanced productivity? Welcome to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration, featuring your host, David B. Savage. In our program, we will show you how leaders and their organizations are using collaboration to innovate and move ahead of their competition. It's not just about customers or employees or the board. It's working together throughout your company and with your stakeholders. Now, here is David B. Savage. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, This is David B. Savage. So glad that today we're going to have Julie Murray join us. She will join us later in the show. In her work, Julie advocates for slowing down and digging below the surface so that deeper meaning and greater understanding can emerge. Today we explore the overriding theme of mindfulness and talk about it in the frame of corporate conflicts and personal awareness. Our theme today is collaboration, company-to-company dispute resolution, plus mindfulness. It might seem that rooms, litigation, lawyers, games, uh, big boardrooms, C-suites, and mindfulness and personal awareness are so different, but they aren't. The strategies to win personally, professionally, and in conflict are very similar. So let's make this about you. Have you ever had a conflict in your life? Of course you have. Daily? Probably like me. Have you ever felt you could have done better resolving that conflict? Well, I do. I'm learning all the time. That's why I've dedicated my career to negotiation, dispute resolution, and collaboration. How to work together better. Would you like to explore ways of creating better outcomes? Well, that's what we're going to do today. And as we go through this radio show, think about what do you wish to change? And in this moment, and in every moment, what's true for you? What do you wish to change? How can we make it better? So let's start with... uh, I've got a million stories of conflict. In my book, uh, Breakthrough to Yes, Unlocking the Possible Within a Culture of Collaboration, some of my readers have said, hey, Dave, uh, you've failed an awful lot. Yeah, I have. That's why I wrote the book. That's why I'm a student of negotiation, collaboration, and dispute resolution. This example is just that one example, and it happens too often. This is an oil and gas industry example, company-to-company conflict. He makes me so mad. Why do they think they can get away from this, with this? I don't even want to deal with them anymore. I am so furious. I just can't talk right now. Have you ever felt these emotions? Yeah. The reptilian brain, the amygdala, takes charge. 
My company has 10 natural gas wells that we own jointly with Company X. I'll just call them Company X for right now. The production from these wells is good, but the price for the natural gas is very poor. So we are barely making any money, barely breaking even from our interest in these 10 wells. To move the natural gas from the wells to sale, we must process it and deliver it by pipeline to the purchaser. A few years ago, Company X and my company agreed to drill and then build the natural gas processing facility and a short pipeline to deliver our gas to market. Since Company X owns 75% of the natural gas and we own only 25, it seemed right to let Company X operate the production, the wells, the facility, and the pipeline. Seems all reasonable except that I just found out that Company X is letting another company, let's call them Third Co, deliver their natural gas through our facility and pipeline. They are charging Third Co less to use the facility and pipeline than what I am being charged. Give me a break. I paid my share. They haven't paid anything, and they're coming through for less than I'm paying? This is ridiculous. We own 25%. How can Third Co get a better deal than I do. I've invested capital. They're just paying a fee on throughput. If I was getting the deal Third Co has, I would probably make money. Instead, I pay for 25% of the system and barely break even. Why didn't Company X talk to us rather than giving Third Co a separate and sneaky deal? Yeah, I think it's a sneaky deal, I'm, but I don't know for sure. I paid $5 million for land, drilling, completion, facilities, and pipeline, and I'm barely breaking even, let alone repaying any of the costs to buy the land, drill the wells, put them on production. Third Co. owns no share of the facility or pipeline, and they get a lower cost than I. I am so angry. How could Company X do that? Do that to us. That's so unfair. They need to be taught a lesson. I've tried to negotiate with my joint venture partner, Company X. They keep putting me off. They ignore me. And when we finally met, their interpretation of our agreement is so different than mine. Well, that was it. I hired a litigator, a lawyer, to go to court. I want to get Company X straightened out. I want the judge to tell them that I'm right. I'm right. They're wrong. Let's go to court. I'll show you. Well, that happened a year ago. Company X and I don't talk anymore. Both of our companies are now paying big time for lawyers, and we are losing opportunities to work together on other developments. We no longer trust one another. And because of the litigation, Third Go has built their own facility and pipeline. They've built their own facility and pipeline. That's really hurt. Without Third Go's natural gas going through our facility, the cost per unit are getting higher and higher. Now, neither Company X or my company are making any money. What gives? Well, we're losing money. Third goes gone. They're making money, I think, I hope. And we're probably going to have to shut in our 10 natural gas wells rather than continue to lose money. Do we have to wait another year and tens of thousands of dollars to get this resolved? I sure hope not. You know, this is crazy. I just don't understand it. How can, how can this go from bad to worse? Now, this is just a, a pretend example, but 
I've had many conflicts like that. And I hope you get the feeling of frustration. You know, we're, we've done the right thing and now we're being screwed. In my 41 years in business, I've worked with oil companies, renewable energy companies, mining companies, tourism companies, healthcare companies, and more. In company-to-company conflicts, no matter what the industry, our reptilian brains often move us to anger, frustration, and then litigation into court. So here's some of the reasons we get into conflict. And um, just recently, uh, Linda McNeil and I did a workshop for the Petroleum Joint Venture Association at the Petroleum Club in Calgary. We titled that workshop, Stay in Control. And I think from the theme of this radio show, you'll understand that. Stay in control. Don't lose control to the other party. Don't let the bad guys win. Don't let the court system drain you. Don't let arbitrators, mediators, negotiators drain you. Stay in control. So here's some of the reasons that we get into conflict. And these are the things that we've explored in our workshops. Well, obviously, the technical merits of a dispute and varying interpretations of the agreements. That's one. Another reason we get into conflict is a lack of interest or even putting priority on the, by the other part. You know, the, the other party just doesn't want to get uh, invested in this. It's hurting us, but they figure that they can delay and we'll just give in. Not a chance. We're not giving in. Not a chance. That's just not the way it's going to happen. Well, we also, we're all very busy. Busy, busy, busy. That's a crime in itself. Too busy to make money. Too busy to do the right thing. Too busy to innovate. But if we don't have the time to fully evaluate the probability of success, the associated value or risks, how do we negotiate, resolve the conflict? We're losing control because we're too busy. We're not focused. We're not attending to. And, of course, insufficient or lack of resources to properly develop our position. We may, well, we don't have in-house legal counsel or other expertise. We don't have a mediator. We don't have a, well, our negotiating skills could be better. Let me put it that way. Any of those things resonate with you? What tactics do you typically use If the dispute doesn't get resolved, think about that. What do you do? And when a dispute didn't go the way you wanted, yet you knew you were right, what did you wish you had done differently to change the outcome? What did you wish that you did differently to change the outcome? It's, it's, um, I don't know, it's frustrating. I've dedicated a lot of my 41-year career to getting parties to work together better, to resolve their own conflict, not lose control. Back in uh, 2003, I believe it was, a long time ago, we found that companies in the oil and gas industry in Canada were increasingly in conflict increasingly wasting their time and resources. And some of the processes and practices in the industry actually rewarded bad behavior. So I, and I think it was about 100 volunteers over a 
four-year period, formed the Company-to-Company Dispute Resolution Council. Guess what? All of those professional negotiators, engineers, accountants, MBAs, engineers, litigators, mediators, arbitrators, all of those folks, we put together a handbook on how to resolve company-to-company conflict. Techniques, processes, skills, abilities. And we put it in this handbook, and guess what we called it? Let's talk. Let's talk. It can be as simple as that. If we're too busy to do anything other than text or email, how on earth are we going to negotiate? That's one of the things we can change. It's just, let's talk. Get outside. Go for a half an hour walk with that party. Explore it. If you want to find out more about our company-to-company dispute resolution council, go to www.c2cadr.com. That's c2cadr.com, as in company2companyadr.com. So what is the council? Well, it's an organization that can help you get the tools and resources to manage conflict effectively without losing sight of your bottom line. So are you wondering how to get through a challenging negotiation? Or contact us, we can help you. Do you need some different strategies to improve your business partnerships? Of course we all do. C2CADR.com So let's look at ways. There's many ways that we look for appropriate dispute resolution. Not alternate, but appropriate. I think going to court is an alternate, but it's not the only way. And I'll talk about this a little bit in a minute. I think my focus is getting you in charge, keeping you cost-controlled, and maximizing your opportunities. So when we talk about how do you go from failed negotiation to court, you've skipped across all of the opportunities. We're going to talk a little bit about a situation assessment meeting, There's also mediation, arbitration, litigation, many opportunities. We need to be more aware and conscious of the choices we're making rather than letting our reptilian brain do that for us. So let's talk about avoidance. In conflict and negotiation, avoidance is very predominant. All of us want not to be in that conflict. It's stressful. The hair goes up on the back of my neck. I get angry. Oftentimes there's a power imbalance. You might have all of the tools and money and resources that you can beat me up or take advantage of me or outlast me or outlitigate me. Failed negotiation happens too often. In my book, Breakthrough DS, I say collaboration is not an event. It's a culture. It's how we work together. It's the same for negotiation. Oftentimes, business people think a negotiation is a one-time event. That negotiation is part of your brand, your reputation, how people can trust you. And in my 41-year career, there's only been two individuals where I say I would never negotiate with them again. And there's probably a dozen negotiators where I'd say, hey, I trust them completely. I would let them negotiate the deal on their own without me. And then there's a whole mix in between. 
So we've got growing costs, growing timelines, growing uncertainty. And it is personal. Disputes are personal. We'll talk about techniques and practices in a moment. But right now, let's talk about some percentages. Let's talk about 50%, 25%, 5%, and less than 1%. What does that mean? Well, in my time in oil and gas in Canada and, and the United States for some periods of time, I found that the court system and the regulatory processes, people like the Alberta Energy Regulator and others, what they were finding is about 50% of the disputes that went in front of their panel for resolution, the principals, the people with the authority to resolve the dispute, had ever never actually met. Yeah, they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, sometimes millions of dollars, and they've never met. Well, how do you, how do, you do that? That's craziness. That's the reptilian brain saying, I'm right and I'm going to beat you. So that's 50%. That's awful. It must be mandatory that the people with the authority to resolve it have to talk, have to have a coffee, a walk, a scotch, whatever that is. So that's 50%. Then there's 25%. I've been told by my litigation peers and friends and network that a rule of thumb, and maybe this is accurate, maybe it's not, but I've been told it by a number, rule of thumb is that if you go to court, then 25% of the time the judge will get it wrong because the judge judges on a whole bunch of different subjects. They are likely not an expert on your subject matter. So 25% of the time, they'll just blow it. Is that what you want? That's kind of like rolling the dice. Of all the conflicts that get ramped up and into a process... Only about 5% ever make it to court. I think it's actually less now. So why do our agreements and our processes, our, our thinking, take us from, well, I'm angry, you're taking advantage of me on that gas plant or pipeline or whatever, wind farm, I'm going to go to court. You know, that's a big jump. And of the ones that go to court, actually only less than 1% are actually resolved by a court. Less than 1% of disputes are resolved in the courts. So we get an upside-down system that loses control, loses control of processes, opportunities, relationships, money, and time. Yeah, why would we want to do that? Let's look a little further now into what is the real continuum in between failed negotiation and court or litigation there's a continuum. Go to c2cadr.com and you'll see this continuum right on our front page. So those things, those processes or events are company-to-company -company consultations. I go to lunch, have a coffee, go to a football game together, whatever it is where the parties have most control over the process, they're the less, least formal, and they can be more interest-based. And confidentiality is determined by the parties, and decisions are made by the parties, and it's all voluntary. 
company to company negotiation. So you go from talk, consultation to negotiation. Then you can have facilitated negotiations. You can have somebody like me or many others work with you through the negotiations. Then you can have a situation assessment meeting that we'll talk about a little later. Mediation. Some people know mediation through divorce or family mediation. Many courts have now have mandatory mediation. The great thing about that is it's a facilitated guided process and it's a professional process. It's not just something that, you know, I, I mediated. No, it, that's a profession. Respected is a profession and it's all voluntary. You don't have to agree to anything. Nobody's going to impose anything on you. So then you go to the processes where you have much less control over the process. They're way more formal, more legal norm-based, more expensive, and public. So your dirty laundry is out there for the public. You are setting precedents. The courtrooms are available. The testimony is available. Do you want that? And more than anything, do you want a third party adjudicating your conflict? These include arbitration, binding and non-binding. There are things like uh, Alberta Energy Utility Board, National Energy Board of Canada, and there's processes around the world like this. I'm, I'm pleased to actually note that uh, the Alberta Energy Regulator is working with many other countries on building appropriate dispute resolution, public consultation, practices and processes uh, that work well in Western Canada and they, they are being co-developed in other com countries. So litigation, regulatory process and arbitration, they are public, they are expensive. Now, mediation can be expensive, but not as much as the others. But arbitration, regulatory, and litigation, you have much less control. I'm not saying it's not a good thing. In many cases, those are exactly the right things to do. But what I will say is make a choice. So we're going to take a short break now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a situation assessment meeting the costs of conflict, and st start developing the personal and professional awareness and mindfulness. And then we will have a conversation with the great Julie Murray. We'll be right back. David B. Savage and his book, Breakthrough to Yes, Unlocking the Possible Within a Culture of Collaboration, delivers a proven process to make collaboration work for you and your company, while creating the conditions that promote innovation and breakthroughs within and across your business and network. Seize this opportunity to join a movement of progressive, principled, and successful leaders. Engage with David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes today. Bring him to speak to your organization and engage his executive coaching and business consulting. 
See much more at davidbsavage.com. According to Kirkus Reviews, Savage's book Breakthrough to Yes, unlocking the possible within a culture of collaboration. While it addresses organizational collaboration, this book could be interpreted more broadly as a treatise on building a cooperative culture within families, groups, businesses, and government. David's Collaborative Leadership 360 Assessment is an evaluation resource that will get you moving forward. Contact us now for a free 30-minute conversation on how more collaborative leadership may benefit you by visiting davidbsavage.com. That's davidbsavage.com. You are listening to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. To reach David B. Savage or his guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to David at davidbsavage.com. Now, back to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. All right, we're back now. Let's talk about the situation assessment meeting. When we talk about our company-to-company dispute resolution council and our Let's Talk handbook and the workshops and coaching that I do and others do, we I'm a strong proponent of a situation assessment meeting. So before the break, we talked about the continuum between negotiation, facilitated negotiations, mediation, arbitration, regulatory and litigation. I say that there's a time where we need to just check in. Oftentimes, uh, masters like the Harvard Program on Negotiation team, uh, Fisher, Yuri, Heen, Stone, Fox, and others, say separate the people from the problem. Well, the situation assessment meeting that we've developed actually separates you from the problem so you can go to the balcony to steal one of their phrases and look at, okay, what is the conflict all about? So, let's start thinking about some of the questions that if I was with your company and helping you and the other company in conflict, these are kind of the things that we looked at. So, we're not, in a situation assessment meeting, we're not trying to resolve the conflict or negotiate. We're looking at the conflict and saying, okay, where are we? How did we get here? What are the real issues? You know, describing in a neutral fashion, what's the current state of affairs? How did we get here? The current situation is the result of various causes, pressures, impacts, and outcomes within all of the companies and personalities. Yeah, I talk about personalities too. Sometimes leaders, negotiators, think they have to win. They have to beat. They have to take away more than they give. And, of course, they and, and they end up getting less. Both of them, the, the sum of the parts becomes less than the whole in conflict oftentimes. Gets into a, a shouting match and a pissing match. And what are the challenges that have hindered resolution so far? What are the strategies? What are the values that we want to agree on? What are the costs? Now, let's talk about all the costs. Costs of action or inaction are direct and indirect. Direct costs include human resources, i.e. people, financial resources, money, and time. Time, money, and people. Those are pretty important components. Indirect costs in conflict include the potential impact on relationships, personal and professional. 
in thinking about these potential costs and current costs, what are the direct and indirect costs? So actually do this evaluation. Let's work this through in this conflict that we're in right now. What's the people costs? What's the financial costs? What's the time costs? What's the relationship costs? What are the opportunities that we're missing right now because we're in conflict? It soon looks like a very expensive conflict. It's very, you know, the thing that we're fighting about might be, in fact, just the tip of the iceberg. The rest of the iceberg is all the other costs. The fact that your staff can't attend to their jobs, their work, their purpose. So think about that. Really analyze the costs. Do a situation assessment meeting before you get in too far. In a recent one that I was called to, there was two oil companies in Western Canada. Uh, they were partners in uh, a number of fields. Uh, their negotiators, their landmen, had a good, strong, trusting relationship with each other. And they got offside with practicalities versus terms of agreement, different uh, perspective on terms of the agreement. And um, they ended up hiring the lawyers, going to the examination for discovery, the statement of claim, all of that process. And about a year into it and tens of thousands of dollars into it, they called me in because they said, wow, we're, we're spending a lot of time and money and this isn't really getting us where we want to be. It's distracting us from our objectives, our corporate objectives. So Dave, would you do a situation assessment meeting? So... What I did is uh, I worked with them for half a day where we answered those questions. Okay, what God is here? What are the costs of this? From an independent neutral statement, what is the underlying issue here? And going full through, what are the, what are the opportunities? What are the costs? What are the challenges? Do we need shared third-party expertise? Do we need guidance from anybody else? What are our accountabilities? Well, guess what? We, um, we broke uh, half a day, and I said, okay, it's time that this is resonating. You're, you're sitting on the same side of the table looking at the problem together. We're making a lot of progress. I think it's a good time to break uh, the two of you, you know, call a friend, you know, go for a walk, uh, talk to whoever you need to talk to in your organization, and then let's come back. Well, half an hour later, we came back, we explored some ideas, and they asked for a one-week uh, delay. They said, uh, let's get together, Dave, and, uh, next week, and, and let's work a little further. Well, sure enough, we got together a week later. And they'd resolved their conflict. They came up with an outcome that neither had thought about before, but they realized that they could work this for their mutual gain. They could resolve it. So that's what they did. And what I will tell you is whether it's the regulatory process in the uh, ADR programs that I've helped institute in Alberta in particular, or in company-to-company uh, -company, uh, situation assessment meetings, Every one of them that goes through, shave off 
most of the issues so they can focus on, okay, what are the key things that we're actually fighting about and focus on that and it's much more effective and efficient. And 80% of the time, within a few weeks of the parties having their situation assessment meeting, they resolve it themselves because they've focused, they've attended to it, they've got the accountability and the authority to resolve it and they do that. So it's just a, a fantastic uh, thing. There is a minimal cost in the whole scheme of things, but it allows people to sit together and resolve their problem and make same control, I guess. Stay in charge. Reduce the drainage from conflict, the waste of conflict. Now, let's talk about space. And this is starting to segue to a little bit of our conversation with uh, Julie Murray in a, in a few minutes. The Harvard Program on Negotiation, some of the masters, uh, Fisher and Uri, Getting TS fame, Difficult Conversation, Stone and Heen, Winning from Within, Erica Fox. I've met all these folks, admirable folks, and here's some of the key things. Separate the people from the problem. Yeah. Go to the balcony. In other words, don't let your reptilian brain run this conflict. Go to the balcony. See it from a distance. Go from the 30,000 foot level. Whatever metaphor or phrase you want to use. Don't get into the trenches because you just can't see how <laughs> foolish I can get. I'll claim it myself. Be hard on the problem, not on the people. I think these are gr great teachings from the Harvard Program of Negotiation and their alumni. So, for example, uh, Sheila and Doug, uh, Ian and Stone, Difficult Conversations. I love this quote. Often we go through an entire conversation or indeed an entire relationship without ever realizing that each of us is paying attention to different things, that our views are based on different information. Huh. And my friend Erica Fox, winning from within, you know, her teaching is realize that the most difficult negotiations are within ourselves. And here's another great quote from Erica. A meal becomes good by starting with quality instructions. It becomes great when you add a quality chef. Can you be the quality chef? Of course you can. Stay in control. Face to face. Remember, the company-to-company -company dispute resolution handbook is called Let's Talk. So let's talk in person. Let's build that relationship, build the opportunities, build the innovation, communicate, negotiate, collaborate. And know, too, that in collaboration, like coaching, dispute resolution, and most transformative processes, most of the great work is actually done by individuals in smaller groups outside of the room or online session. The landing or creating can be even more powerful than inside the physical or digital gathering. Inside the space may simply be where the seeds are planted. The crop may be harvested elsewhere. Very often, I wake up early in the morning with a profound solution to a challenge that I had struggled with in my prior business days. So here's some call to action. Think about this. Write them down. One. Explore and identify the best dispute resolution option for you. 
do it purposefully and knowledgeably. Could be litigation, could be a facilitated negotiation, could be simply asking great questions. Two, engage in a situation assessment meeting. That's a healthy thing. It's like going to the doctor, doctor conflict. Three, look beyond the problem to find better outcomes for, be- for both parties. That's right, better outcomes. You can do that. Look for the space. Number four, pause, look for the space, reflect, meditate, be mindful. Let go of certainty, let go of judgment, let go of being right. Yeah, one, explore options. Two, situation assessment meeting. Three, look beyond the problem. And four, let go, pause. So imagine yourself as a champion in your work in 2020. You and your organization are celebrating a huge breakthrough. Together you have accomplished what no one had dreamed possible. You are elated. You are seen as one of the very best, and you see your team as completely ready to take on the next opportunity. Let this resonate within you. Feel your success. What changes did you make in the last few years in your personal and professional life to get you to such great success? Did you allow your reptilian brain to rule, or did it allow time for your prefrontal cortex to engage? Did you create space for yourself? One of my favorite books ever is Viktor Frankl, Man's Search for Meaning. Don't have time today, but search it, read it, listen to it. This is an amazing man, amazing wisdom. Here's just a few quotes from Viktor Frankl, a survivor of several concentration camps in Germany during the Nazi regime. Viktor Frankl, when we are no longer able to change a situation, we are challenged to change ourselves. In conflict, we get frustrated, angry, and this is me talking now, righteous and ready to fight. If you're being chased by a tiger, sometimes that response is best. In today's business world, that is most often a poor reaction. The reptilian brain, you know, sometimes it serves leaders, but most often it destroys opportunity. If there's one quote that you'll hear me talk about in my coaching, my workshops, and my uh, negotiation circles, leadership circles, here's Viktor Frankl again. There is a space between stimulus and response. How we use that space determines the quality of our life. Yeah, there is a space between stimulus and response. How we use that space determines the quality of our life. Our greatest freedom is the freedom to choose our attitude. Now, as another link to greatness, my friend Joanne Lavoie, She did a recent TED Talk, Montreal Women, noted the greatest challenge for leaders today is ADT, ADT, attention deficit trait. In other words, we're too scattered, too busy, we're not focused. We need to pause. So let's pause now, and when we come back, we will introduce you to my friend, Julie Murray.
David B. Savage and his book, Breakthrough to Yes, Unlocking the Possible Within a Culture of Collaboration, delivers a proven process to make collaboration work for you and your company. While creating the conditions that promote innovation and breakthroughs within and across your business and network, seize this opportunity to join a movement of progressive, principled, and successful leaders. Engage with David B. Savage on Breakthrough to Yes today. Bring him to speak to your organization and engage his executive coaching and business consulting. See much more at davidbsavage.com. According to Kirkus Reviews, Savage's book, Breakthrough to Yes, Unlocking the Possible Within a Culture of Collaboration. While it addresses organizational collaboration, this book could be interpreted more broadly as a treatise on building a cooperative culture within families, groups, businesses, and government. David's Collaborative Leadership 360 Assessment is an evaluation resource that will get you moving forward. Contact us now for a free 30-minute conversation on how more collaborative leadership may benefit you by visiting davidbsavage.com. That's davidbsavage.com. You are listening to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. To reach David B. Savage or his guest today, call into the program at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to David at davidbsavage.com. Now, back to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. Welcome back, and welcome from our listeners around the planet. Uh, I'm really delighted today to introduce you to Julie Murray. Julie is a professional coach, facilitator, and educator with over 20 years of experience working within the education sector She is a big-picture thinker who is passionate about leadership, creativity, and amplifying human potential. That's amplifying human potential. Doesn't that sound fabulous? In her work, Julie advocates for slowing down, so I will slow down right now, and digging below the surface. Remember we talked about that iceberg. Digging below the surface so that deeper meaning and greater understanding can emerge. Julie is recognized for her ability to listen deeply, integrate learning, forge strong relationships, and communicate effectively. Julie is also a writer, an artist, and a student of integral theory and mindfulness meditation. Julie, welcome. Thank you so much, David. I'm really honored to have this opportunity to connect with you and all of your listeners. Let's start... uh, with your work as an integral coach, helping individuals to slow down so that they can become more aware and more intentional, and I'll stress intentional, about their lives. How did you become attracted to this work, Julie? Well, as you said in my intro, I started out as an educator. In fact, I still very much consider myself to be one, but I spent almost two decades working in private schools, independent schools across Canada. And it's interesting because probably for the decade, 10 years before I finished my teaching career, I found myself in a situation where I was pushing harder and harder and harder. Um, I had less and less and less energy. And I spent a lot of time beating myself up and thinking that it was my fault that I couldn't just push harder. 
And when I finally did leave teaching because I wanted to explore and grow and look for new challenging challenges as an educator, what I discovered by by accident, I really didn't, I couldn't see it at the time. And you mentioned even earlier in your segment about how sometimes we can't see our own behaviors. But after going to a number of practitioners for a, sh- a sore shoulder and neck, um, I found out that I was burnt out. I had adrenal fatigue, which if your listeners aren't sure what that means, it's basically your fight or flight response has been going on overdrive. And so for me, for about 10 years, um, my fight or flight response was was going at a high level. So what that meant was my body no longer could could handle it. And so here I was, someone who prided myself as a very passionate educator and someone who cared about how I showed up for other people. And I literally had to stop. I had to slow down to the point where I spent a lot of time in my house. I had to face a lot of the thinking patterns within myself that were questioning, you know, who am I if I'm not moving quickly in this world? And so it was an interesting time and a really interesting lesson for me to learn. But it was also a huge gift because I learned about some of the benefits or a lot of the benefits of slowing down and the benefits of really connecting with yourself. And so during that time and that journey, I went through a series of experiences where I realized that coaching, uh, working one-on-one with people was really part of that essence of what I loved most about my time as an educator And I stumbled upon integral coaching when I was looking for coaching schools and knew right away 100% that it was the the perspective I wanted to take in my work with individuals one-on-one because it takes a very holistic perspective and it also encourages people to take that time to slow down and to increase their own awareness of themselves. Because often we don't... um, We don't or we aren't aware of our thinking patterns. We aren't aware, like for me, for 10 years, I didn't know what I was doing to myself. And even, you know, the detriment that might have been to the students in the room, maybe I wasn't showing up as well as I could. And so integral coaching really offers an opportunity for for clients to, to see the, if you can imagine that we all have glasses that we wear day to day that are our perspectives and our conditional beliefs. And integral coaching offers an individual an opportunity to actually see those glasses, to see what their perspectives are and how that colors, how they enter into the world, how they enter into their discussions and their relationships with others. And then through the process, we're offered with another set of glasses that maybe gives us a different perspective. So, that's, I would say, how I became attracted is it just fits so well with me and my own journey and the things that I needed and the things that I see a lot of value in. Yeah, I, I trust our, our audience can understand the direct linkage between going to the balcony and changing your glasses. This is, mm. this is really an awareness to say there is actually no right there's yeah. just me. So who am I and 
how do I want to be in this relationship? How do I want to be in this conflict? Absolutely. And when you create that space of awareness, if you slow down <laughs> a little bit, so you have more, um, more control over how you respond, then you're absolutely right. There's a choice that's available to you that otherwise it might not be. You know, if you jump right into something, you might not have the choice of what your behavior is. And often it's in those situations that afterwards we're like, oh, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> or I should have done this, right? It's that looking yeah. backwards and at our behaviors. But absolutely, that idea of going to the balcony or just taking a moment or working. Um, you also mentioned meditation in the last segment as well, working on just becoming more comfortable with who you are and what are those things about yourself that show up when you're in those discussions with other people. Yeah. So, Julie, why does this matter in the world today? Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, just even looking at um, the work that you do, David, with collaboration, um, and really there's so much overlap, and I think that's part of why we have so many great conversations when we when we get together, there's so much overlap in the work that I do and, and the great work that you're bringing out into the world. Um, but we are in a society now or a time now where we are moving into increasing complexity in our world. Um, the landscape is shifting. There's been shifts in Europe and in North America. And there's increasing divisiveness. There's a, a feeling of polarization that's happening in the world today that, at least for me, um, it feels more visceral than it's felt in the past. And I think this work of each of us taking responsibility of how we show up and making sure that, that who we're bringing into the world um, when we enter into conversations and discussions and in the work that we do is is coming from a place of awareness and coming from a place where we're not just reacting from our, our habits, that we're actually um, thinking about how we're, how we're showing up. There's also the uh, literal and uh, wall building and, and uh, rejection mm -hmm. and separation happening in our world today where, where we, we tend to separate ourselves from others rather than seeking them out because they can teach me. Exactly. Yeah, in these moments, I think, exactly, I think that the response, the natural response is to to join in on the polarization, <laughs> to join in on the, that's them and this is us. But I think what's needed, and I think it's your step seven that you offer in your book, um, is that listening deeply, that it's actually leaning in and listening and trying to understand that other perspective, um, trying to tap in to what that dialogue is from a place of um, listening to understand versus listening to just share your opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, certainly I've been guilty of that about thinking about my next questions as opposed to listening to the wisdom being offered to me right now. Mm -hmm. uh, the, that agility, that uh, it's an intimate connection is communication done well. Yeah, Absolutely. And um, and also how the conversation can change when you enter into it in a place where you're listening fully 
it's fascinating to see how the people that you're in that conversation with, how some of their patterns shift or change because you're showing up differently. You know, often we point fingers and say, oh, they always do this or they always do that. But often it's, we're respon- we have a responsibility in that. Um, and when we recognize that how we show ourselves and how we show up, that that has an impact. Those conversations, and I think you talk about that as well in your book, that those conversations can go very differently if we show up differently. Yeah, one of everyone. Uh, one of the things that Julie reminds me of is uh, when I get an emotion, explore that emotion. What's really going on for me, as opposed to ju- judging or letting my reptilian brain take charge? You know, huh? I'm feeling frustrated. What's that all about? What's What's mm-hmm. frustration for me? What What am I doing? What do I? Uh, contributing to this how do i how do i become more mindful julie tell us more about uh, the work you do and how our listeners can find out more about you sure well um i work as an integral coach out of calgary alberta but i do have clients um via skype in different parts of the world so I'm always happy even just to have a conversation. Um, it doesn't have to necessarily be a coaching relationship. But if if there's, you know, anyone who has this feeling like life is moving really quickly and they're feeling caught up in the whirlwind and they want to be more intentional about how they're moving forward, um, then that's a conversation I would love to have just from my own life experience. It's a, a passion that I have and I would love to connect with people who have that um, that experience is going on. I mean, they say that that stress is the epidemic of the 21st century, and um, underneath that stress is is an opportunity for us to learn more about ourselves and how we can really add value in the world. <clears throat> I, I must be valuable because I'm very busy. <laughs> no, 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 <laughs> yes. Actually, that is not a causal relationship at all. It's actually probably the inverse. No, it's it's like a badge of honor in our society. You know, and I think um, I always think of it as the stone, and I've offered you this this image before, David. But it's the stone skipping across the lake. Yeah. And I used to love skipping stones when I was a kid, living in Ontario in Canada on an amazing bay. And most of us are like that. We're these stones that are just skipping, skimming over the surface of the water. And it's not until we stop our busyness and we allow that stone to sink that we really get to, to know ourselves. And that can be sometimes really scary. But if we can move through that, um, there's a lot of learning that can definitely add to how we interact with those around us, how we know ourselves, and how we contribute to the world. So your Another website, thing, where, where's your website? Let's not miss that opportunity for people okay. to look you up. So and, my website and, is www juliemurray.ca and I also have a bi-weekly blog that they can subscribe to on my website and another kind of exciting opportunity that I'm doing with a, a gentleman named Ken Wiley who is um, a professional mountain guide um, lives in BC in Canada, is uh, we've also put together a retreat. It's a, a leadership development retreat. So it's a corporate retreat in the Canadian Rockies. 
where we we're calling it actually the listening leader, and I think it fits so well with this concept of collaboration, but it's basically an opportunity. We have three- and six-day programs, an opportunity for leaders who are looking to deepen their ability to listen, and it's to themselves, to others, and the environment around them. And it's going to be pretty a pretty fascinating workshop because it or retreat because it offers individuals an opportunity to be in unbelievable location. It's a, a heli access lodge that's very remote, uh, incredible food and accommodation. But then also there'll be time in the mountains. So kind of working on leadership development through through experience, and the whole theme is going to be around listening. And how do we work better as a team, specifically around how do we, we tackle this increasing complexity in our world today um, in the shifting landscape? So we're really excited about that, this offering, and, and it is up on my website as well if there's anyone that's interested in learning more. Yeah, so that's Julie, J-U-L-I-E, Murray, M-U-R-R-A-Y, dot C-A. So, Julie, in this moment, before we close this segment, what's one thing that you would challenge our audience to be, do, or change? I would challenge them to let their stone drop. So, make some time and some space in your life to slow down and take some time for yourself, free of distraction. So, go for a walk, sit quietly, Get to know what it feels like in your body, dance in the room by yourself, but just remove yourself from all of the busyness and really start to connect to yourself and and start to tap into what truly matters to you right now. It's a huge gift that you can give to yourself, and it's definitely a challenge that I offer to you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you, David. Today, we've had the opportunity to explore with Julie the mindfulness, pausing, integral theory, coaching, uh, skipping stones, dancing by ourselves, and uh, (laughs) company-to-company dispute resolution, situation assessment, separating the people from the problem, building the relationship and the opportunity, knowing ourselves between stimulus and response, there is a space. And how we use that space determines the quality of our life. So pause, reflect, let go of certainty, let go of judgment, let go of being right. And win, 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 like our theme song from Chuck Rose. Now let's work together better, everyone. Thanks for tuning in this week to Breakthrough to Yes with Collaboration. Your host, David B. Savage, invites you to join us again for another engaging episode next Thursday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a breakthrough week.